podcast this week, Michelle Williams drops by our pod booth by the bins to talk Manchester by the sea, plus all the usual fake news and nonsense on the movie podcast is going to keep things highbrow this week by not mentioning, you know, that, the thing that everyone's talking about. Distasteful. Hello, pod, I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which this week, very exciting news, is brought to you by Sky Atlantic which brings you exclusive new big screen drama every month. And 2017, we'll see some of Sky Atlantic's most loved TV shows returning to our screens, including Series 2 of Billions this February. Of course, stars Damien Lewis, Paul Giamatti. Great show if you haven't seen it. Uh, and of course, the penultimate series of a little show called Game of Thrones. Does that ring a bell? It'll never catch on. That's later this year. And later on in the podcast, we'll be discussing the new gripping series of Fortitude. Season 2 It's returning this month to Sky Atlantic so keep an ear out for that uh, and this week this is unusual yeah this is really unusual has okay. this happened once before maybe maybe once before uh, I'm not joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning I'm not even joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning I'm joined by one colleague of such lethal cunning because everyone else is doing hang on I'm not sure if I've right, written this right work well, work work W O R C. What does that spell? Work. 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 Is it work. like Worf? Or- like orcs? Worf. Like, oh, like Worf is an orc. Worf? Oh my god. Worf is an orc. That's Worf. hard to say, people. Worf is an orc. <laughs> there is there is this week's slash fiction. Wow. I'll be writing that. That'll be my Sunday. Okay. Yeah, Worf is an orc. I know more about your Sunday than I really wanted to. I like to spend Sundays uh, writing slash fiction about Star Trek characters. Like Worf and Lord of the Rings characters, like Orc. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Helen O'Hara is here. How are oh, you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, Hamilton, thank you. Wow, you put so much thought into <laughs> I these genuinely intros, did. I, re- I had written a whole thing because I was expecting Nick to be here as well. I'd written a whole thing about how you, you were camping outside Lin Manuel Miranda's house because tickets are going to sell soon for the UK production of Hamilton yeah. and then Nick was going to be here and I was going to talk about how he was camping outside Juan Antonio Bayona's house because Jurassic World 2 is starting <laughs> soon and he wants to you know, be Edmund again but then you know Nick was working 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 and we're all that's left oh. I feel like the rapture has taken place <laughs> now come weird. on surely we'd be taken up in the rapture I'm not so sure. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Really? I'm, I'm really not so sure. Uh, the left behind will be just me, ye, and Nick Nicholas Cage. Cage. <laughs> yeah. I watched that movie. It was not good. Was it? Yeah, it was, it was bad. Oh, that's a shame. That is a massive shame. Directed by Fick Armstrong, isn't it? The great stuntman. Yes, the great stuntman, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay, so we have... Um, as ever, we have questions, and I wanted to keep it highbrow. This of course, week. you're uh, so highbrow. I didn't want to mention the incident, the thing that everyone's talking about. That, uh-huh. that probably Wait, for me was re- Twitter's single greatest. Is this related of hours. to Piotis? I don't pres- know what you're talking about. The president elect of the United States. I don't know what you thought I was saying. I've no idea. Okay. I have no idea. But anyway, well, you know that was an amazing night on Twitter. I don't know if you were aware <laughs> of it uh, when I. When I saw that, I nearly wet myself in excitement. It was very, very, very good indeed. Um, so I asked people for questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see what they've said, shall we? Sure. 
So at TMT17 asks, best pissing scenes in film. Oh, come on. <laughs> so highbrow. That, uh, that's just, uh, that's just, okay, we'll go to another question. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at Pickett Flickett asks, uh, what's the best scene involving a bodily function in film? Oh, for the oh, love of God. Come, on. come now, people. Come Honestly, on. people, there may be people listening to this podcast for the first time uh, here who, You've heard no, that we're good try people. again, Chris. I mean, have we, have we got you know, anything else? Uh, yeah, Pissy McPisserson. <laughs> okay. That's pretty much it. But uh, that's 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 take the first one. All okay, right. so like toilet scenes in movies. Let's rescue this. Right. Okay. So the best scenes of urination in films. Um, the one that actually came to mind when uh, surprisingly quickly, <laughs> surprisingly quickly, I don't know why, is the I think it's the opening scene of a very British coup, which seems more and more <laughs> relevant as the days go by. Right. Um, and it, it's literally just a man pissing, and then it turns out he's the new prime minister. Okay, that's it. I mean, it's not even like one where oh something funny happens and yeah. like crazy things occur. It's just right. I was a bit shocked because that was not the way I was used to films opening. It's a very good film though. If you haven't seen a very British coup, I do recommend it. Um, tell, uh, tell the people more about it. What's it's it? uh, it's the story of a sort of uh, very left wing but much better than Jeremy Corbyn um, premier who gets elected in the UK and essentially uh, powers conspire to bring him down. <laughs> That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. But he's awesome. He's like a sort of, you know, very kind of salt of the earth, northern, very, 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 very good politician. But uh, he's up against extraordinary enemies. It's a really good film. <laughs> I think it was a TV film, but I remember really loving it. I haven't seen it in years. Uh, I apologize now if it's way out of date. Oh, I'm sure it isn't. Probably not. I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> it feels awfully relevant. <laughs> um, uh, there are, I think, a couple of obvious ones here. Uh, the beginning of The Usual Suspects mm-hmm. where uh, Dean Keaton tries to start a fire and it is put out by Kaiser Soze the bastard oh. who uh, urinates on the flames from above um, I believe that Kaiser Soze one of those shots is played by Brand Singer himself yeah, because they had to get pickups and stuff. Well, they had to just yeah. find whoever had had yeah. lots of orange juice that morning. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I think about eight, at least eight people in the course of the usual suspects could lay claim to being Kaiser Soze. Uh, as in, you know, for <laughs> putting a hat on for a shot or, you know, there's that long-haired, uh, I think it was a long-haired a grip or long-haired cameraman who plays him during the Hungarian sequence. Anyway, I'm getting off the beaten track here, but there's you know there's a lot of people who could say I am Kaiser Soze. Ah, yeah, I have and learned course, something. Well, there's that amazing there's an amazing tale, possibly apocryphal, that um, Gabriel Byrne didn't understand what the film was about and didn't understand the script. Oh, I, I did time, know this. Yeah, yeah, he was convinced he was Kaiser Soze, and when he watched. <laughs> He watched the film for the first time. He came up to Bronson afterwards. What the hell happened? Who? What? I'm not Kaiser Soze. No, you're not. You're not, mate. No. Anyway, what else? Yes. Yes. Frank Drebin. <laughs> Pissing on Mike. Pissing on Mike. Yeah, that was that was We've pretty all classic. Done it. Have we? Mike I... is so upset. Oh. Ew. Oh, you mean uh, yeah? That amazing scene in the Naked Gun where uh, <laughs> the setup of this joke is so quick. But basically, if you watch the scene again, he's uh, at a press conference to uh, talk about the security measures for the Queen's visit to LA. And if you watch the, the scene, all he is doing is drinking water, just incessantly. He is just pouring a massive jug of water into a huge <laughs> pint glass and jugging it <laughs> relentlessly. It's not really mentioned. And then obviously he goes off and has the, the big P, and it, which is communicated to the entire <laughs> to the, the world, really. Yes, through his live microphone. Whoops. 
Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, Austin Powers has a similar joke mm-hmm. where he pees for a long time. Really? After waking up from cryosleep? Yeah. Sleep, yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I love, there's a moment in With Nell and I where um, he is faking a urine test. Uh, so he's been drunk driving uh, on the on the motorway. He's pulled over by the cops and they take him in for a for a test. And he's 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 fashioned or I think he's paid for a device. And he slips down his trousers and has a nozzle <laughs> and has someone else's clean urine coming out of it. And the <laughs> the cops smell a rat and they open the, uh, the 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 curtain. They pull the curtain back and there's Richard E. Grant. <laughs> with, with a bag the, full of piss. Yeah, with the most sort of gleefully naughty, oh, you've caught me, I'm absolutely pissed out of my mind. Uh, while the nozzle spraying <laughs> oh. this foulness everywhere. That's. I mean, I, This I, is great, this is highbrow, my love it. I think Jude Law did something similar for Ethan Hawke in Gattaca, but we didn't see it in quite such graphic detail, you know. <laughs> we certainly didn't. Thankfully. We certainly didn't. I'm sure there's tons. Yeah. There's tons. Oh, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis in Shortcuts. I just remember this for some reason. Huey Lewis uh, takes a leak in Shortcuts, and I think it was actually leaking for real. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> but uh, there was there was an anecdote because you know obviously famously in that film, uh, Julianne Moore mm-hmm. has a scene where she's having an argument with Matthew Modine, and she's bottomless. And she's bottomless. Yes. And uh, is it Matthew Modine? It's Matthew Modine. And uh, and he offered to go bottomless to Robert Altman. Matthew Modine, he said, that, you, know, the, you know, we're a married couple, we should, you know, this is what happens, you know. And Robert Altman said, no, no, I've already got Hugh Lewis's dick in this movie, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need another one. So there you go. And that, Helen, is the power <laughs> of love. I guess. There was somebody saying, um, I've, I apologise, I think it was Joe Hill on Twitter uh, this week was actually saying, I've just realised I'm watching a European film mm-hmm. because there's a woman pissing neck, a sort of mere couple of feet from her lover who is showering or... Mm-hmm. You know, shaving or something like that, and that's just the kind of thing that happens in sort of French films. You know, buff. Mm. It wasn't a street cat name. No, it wasn't. <laughs> of course, it wasn't. Uh, so there we go. That that was a that was a, a fun highbrow chat. But I think we've we've we nailed it. We we kept it clean mostly. All right. So that's that. Thank if you God. want to have your question read out in the Apple Podcast, uh, thank you for sending it in. By the way, uh, everyone who sent that question in, I think there were a few more actually along those lines. For some reasons on people's minds. Uh, do send them in. We're on Twitter as at Empire Magazine and you can use the hashtag Empire Podcast and we're on Facebook as Empire Magazine as well. And hey, you can email us as well, podcast at empireonline.com. All very, very exciting. Uh, right, should we have some movie news? We Let's should, yeah. There's, there's, been, there's been some really interesting uh, casting stories this week. Should we start with the least likely? The least likely, I think... Is the story that... Um, so, you know, Tim Burton is making a live-action Dumbo film. Uh-huh. I mean, which I'm still getting my head around, but that is a thing that has been said in the world. And Will Smith and Tom Hanks are said to be circling it for potential roles. So that's Will Smith mm-hmm. and Tom Hanks mm-hmm. in Tim Burton's mm-hmm. live-action Dumbo. I... <laughs> That's a thing, isn't it? Who are they playing? Who would they be playing? Would they be playing elephants? Would they be playing... Are they humans who are now teaming up with the elephants? <laughs> is this a mocap thing? What What's the deal here? 
Well, basically, we don't know who would be doing what or why or how. Uh, we do know that Tom Hanks is apparently up for playing a villain. <gasps> I know. It's upsetting. Um, and uh, and Will Smith, we don't know anything about at all, actually. Um, oh, you must know. It was in well, the I, I know. No, I, sorry. I know, I know quite Independence a lot. Of, Day. Thank you. I know. Men so. in Black. But I don't know anything about his role in this film. Oh, right. Okay. Just to be clear. You should have been clear on that. I should have been. Um, So they could be, uh, either of them could be potentially uh, voice roles or or mocap or something for these, I mean, quote unquote, live action roles, the way that Jungle Book was live action. Um, But we just don't know yet, I'm afraid. So we just have to let our imagination run wild and imagine that uh, Will Smith is playing the ear model for Dumbo himself. (laughs) Um, but both of them do have scheduling. I can't believe you made that joke. Oh, he's lovely. He's a very handsome I man. But you know. I can't believe you made a joke I shied away from. <laughs> what are you doing? What's happened to you? I'm so sorry. I've been around you too long, Chris. He's got lovely ears. Anyway, there's scheduling issues for both of them mm-hmm. um, because uh, Smith is also apparently working on Bad Boys for Life, reteaming with Martin Lawrence. Of course he is for Joe Carnahan. Mm-hmm. And. That's a big um, thing. Huh? That's huge. It is huge. It's huge. Potentially. Oh, potentially huge. And uh, Tom Hanks might be making a World War II movie called The Greyhound. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, so we shall that's see. Good. We shall see. That's good. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how... Uh, this is This is going to be intriguing. I was going to say, I don't really associate Tim Burton with the sweetness that a Dumbo needs, mm-hmm. but... Edward Scissorhands is, is a very, very lovely, very, very sweet film. Ed Wood's a lovely and sweet film. Yeah. I think he, you know, he has it he in him. He could do it. And, and here's the thing. Um, this is a Disney film. This is one of their live action adaptations of their own classic cartoons. Um, now, obviously, that division of Disney is not overseen directly by John Lasseter. But John Lasseter is at Disney. He is a very powerful man. And Dumbo is his favouritest film ever. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine but that he is standing behind Tim Burton at all times, possibly wearing scissor hands to keep him on track. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, there's there's some kind of quality control here and somebody <laughs> looking out for Dumbo in all of this, definitely. And also the fact that, you know, we are looking at two A-listers of that calibre presumably means that there's something kind of cool going on yes. with the script and with yeah. the story. Aaron Kruger script. Uh, and also, what's this about? This is, uh, this is intriguing. Uh, if anyone thought, oh, hang on, it's 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 Helen and Chris doing the podcast alone. This means they won't be talking about Marvel at any point. Uh, sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid that Peter Dinklage uh, is apparently in talks for Avengers Infinity War. That is the two-part mash'em, smash'em, rock'em robots, um, which we will be seeing from next, first part next year mm-hmm. and the second part the year after. That's correct. Thank you. Well done. You win a prize. <laughs> Hooray. Is it that I get to see it early? No. Oh, shit. Anyway, so he will be joining a cast of thousands, tens of thousands. Um, and uh, it looks like he will be, uh, is in early talks at this point. Mm. Now, we don't know yet what he's playing. They're calling it a mystery role. Ooh. Um, presumably not... Bolivar Trask from X-Men. That would be a shock. That would be uh, something of a shock. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's apparently in talks. So that's good. So yeah. it's obviously the Russos uh, yeah. directing, Marcus and McFeely writing, mm-hmm. everybody, everyone, everyone involved. Well, what I feel is that this movie needed more people. <laughs> but if you're going to have more people, 
that you might as well get Peter Dinklage. Yes. And obviously Twitter has been a blaze with speculation about who he might be playing. A lot of people are hoping that this means it will get Alpha Flight, which is the Canadian superhero team. And a. Peter Dinklage would be a great match for Puck, who is a pugnacious uh, fighter uh, in that team. Uh, very agile. Uh, but I don't think so. I don't. Uh, I don't think this is going to be related to his size in any that, way. And that would be introducing an entire new team yes. of superheroes, which again we we surely don't need. There's necessarily. probably enough going on at the moment. Uh, and also, I think uh, because there are mutants involved in Alpha Flight, it's probably a fox a fox deal. I think it's going to be very intriguing. You know, hero, villain, who knoweth? But it starts uh, shooting soon. So hopefully we will find out if, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm intrigued to see just who the focus is on in the in the, in the first movie. You know, is it going to be introducing the new newer characters, uh, mm. Captain Marvels, and mm. is it going to be Thanos uh, taking a dump on the, the the sort of lesser Avengers, and then the big ones come back and they go stop that. Or maybe he'll be taking the big ones apart one by one and then they'll have to team up together. Holy cow. Holy that's right, cow. I went there. All right. Well. Anyway, uh, so that's a thing. It's all very, very exciting. And of, of course, as we we suspect that Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who are writing yes. Avengers Infinity War, uh, occasionally listen to this podcast. So if you are listening, chaps, uh, just drop us a line. Just drop us a line with the script. It's <laughs> totally fine. Just watermark it, Peter Dinklage. No one's going to know. No one's going to know. They'll think it's Peter Dinklage's script. Wow, that's that's super cunning and in no way likely uh, to get no, you jailed, it's, you sued, or I'm anything gonna, else. A live tweet reading it. Chris, oh my God. as your lawyer... I'll periscope it. Chris? It's going to be huge. Chris? Okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Thank you. All right, should we move on? Yes, probably Let's move best. on. Okay. <laughs> um, here's another, another unlikely story, actually. This may even... I don't know if this beats... Hanks and, and Smith and Dumbo. Anna Kendrick mm. is reportedly up to play Santa Claus I can for see Disney. That. I can see that. How jolly, can you see that? Jolly, white beard. Real, do, Wait, no, hang on. I mean, I don't think that's any way to describe her boyfriend. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is intriguing. This is a film called Nicole. Right. I believe, for Disney. Uh, why is it not called Noel? Nicole, Nicole, old King Cole. I don't know. I don't, you know, like yeah, yeah. But it's it's intriguing. To, you know, Mark Lawrence is involved. That's that's Mark Lawrence, yeah, of Miss Congeniality fame uh, is involved. That's a good thing. And the idea is that um, Santa's son doesn't want to take over the family business when Santa retires, and so his daughter instead is lined up for the role. So Not- Martha Christmas. Martha, Martha, not Arthur. Yes, Christmas. Yeah. Now, here, here's the thing. If, like me, you spend a lot of time on true Xmas during the, month, <laughs> the months of November and December, which I'm sure you all do, that's the channel that turns into a Christmas movies channel 24 hours a day. Really? Yes, for two months of the year. Wow. Um, you will know that. know that there are approximately 16 bajillion films about one of Santa's children having to earn the right to take over the red suit. I cannot stress to you enough how done this has been. The difference is it's mostly been done by Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> so uh, there is a man I would trust for Christmas. I mean, and people did. That one's had like three sequels. Really? What's yeah. it called? I don't remember. I hope it's, it's called it's a something, very Steve Gutenberg Christmas. It's something like 
Steve Claus, I think. I don't remember. Steve Claus. I may have exaggerated how much I watched True Christmas because honestly, <laughs> you watch like two films on it and then you've literally seen them all. Right. This is exciting. I didn't know about this channel's existence. This is uh, very exciting for me. I might check it out. Okay. I won't check it you out. You won't check it out. No. no you have no. better things to do with your life. But uh, well done, Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> uh, and well done, Anna Kendrick. I mean, this is intriguing. I mean, you know, it hasn't been done on this scale before with an actor of this caliber. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And she's fantastic. Yes, we love her. We love her. Uh, and she's just started work on Pitch Perfect three. She has very recently, which is coming out on Christmas. So in, in yeah. a way, she's already giving us a Christmas present in preparation for being Santa Claus. Oh, what a gal! <laughs> she's awesome. Uh, well done. There you go. <laughs> That's the level of discourse you get today. She's awesome. There you go. There you go. Uh, quickly, uh, the Coen brothers are moving to TV. They're creating a Western. What's its name, Chris? Oh, don't. <laughs> I, 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 I knew it last night. Uh-huh. I, I was on a radio show last night live, and I was asked about this, and I hadn't prepared, and I didn't know the name, and I frantically tried to buy time. I scrambled around going, oh, the brother, the Cohen brother says, you know, Joel and Ethan Cohen. And then I looked it up and I realised what the name was and I went, you know, and I went, oh, Joel, oh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, that's what it's called. And then you let it all along. And I, and I didn't just forget it and then <laughs> I have to Google it again. Yes. So there we go. It's called the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It's an anthology Western. I know that much. Yes, well yeah. done. Good. Um, obviously, you know, they've done well with Westerns in the past. Uh, no Country for Old Men and my personal favourite, True Grit. Um, and, uh, but they haven't done TV and they kind of said in the past that they weren't interested in TV. Uh, but obviously, you know, with their even with their peripheral involvement, Fargo sort of showed that they're kind of something of their taste can work on television. So I guess that's maybe kind of opened up the way towards this but yeah I mean yeah. anything the Coen brothers do is ultimately is exciting to me so I will yeah. be watching out for that one that's really good absolutely uh, it's intriguing that they're doing TV but I think maybe this indicates that even people like the Coen brothers struggle to have the, the freedom yeah. and the backing that they would have in cinema these days um, but I'm intrigued to see maybe they want to do something a, a little bit more long form as well uh, cool it's all very very cool awesome there you go <laughs> uh, anything else? Oh, I'm excited about something. What are you excited about, Chris? I'm excited about uh, the return of Better Call Saul, and I'm excited about uh, this week's weird teaser for the show. Have you seen this? Was this the one with Gus Fring? Yes. This is a, a trailer for... It's a, it's a TV. It's a fake TV advert. It's fake news. Uh, fake TV advert for Los Poyos Hermanos. Uh, what do you think of that? Muy bien. Muy yes, bien. yes. I, what? Muy bien. Los pollos hermanos. I've never been so insulted. Oh. Um, so this is obviously the chicken franchise that Gus Fring and Breaking Bad uh, owned, but behind the lovely facade of, of fried chicken was, of course, a meth empire. <gasps> uh, and, of course, Better Call Saul is a prequel to, to Breaking Bad. And so we were expecting Gus Fring to turn up at some point. Have you been watching Better Call Saul? I'll be honest, I've slightly fallen behind. Oh, it's like a, great a season show. and a half. And it's, it, I liked it's a it. fantastic show. We're at peak TV, I can't keep up with everything. This is true. This is true. I read somewhere there was something like 455 scripted shows yeah. last year, and that's going to increase next year. Yeah. And I've just gotten into Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which turns out to be incredible. I've and heard I've, that. Oh, it's and so. Uh, you'd love it, actually. And uh, also Hannibal. 
uh, which is incredible in a totally different way. <laughs> That's the source of your slash fiction session this Sunday. I'll is be it? honest, I haven't. Like I, I'd, I'd heard that Hannibal slash fiction was a big thing, and I didn't really get why. <laughs> and now I get why. Did you see this thing that we were on Tumblr? I did. We were on Tumblr. <laughs> we, we, we've made it, folks. We were on Tumblr. You know you've made it when you're on Tumblr and no one refers to you by your real name because they can't be arsed looking up who you, who it you are. It was male interviewer and female interviewer, yeah. wasn't it? It was but about was my us. interview with uh, Mads Mikkelsen. And the, the idea of this is that I was so swept away by Mads Mikkelsen's hair, which is partially true. Yeah. That, you know, I stumbled and stammered through my, the interview with him and you were trying to talk me down on the other side that was fun that was intriguing um, I forgot what we were talking about Lost Boys and Manus yes Breaking Bad Better Call Saul you give it a go I know we're peak TV and I know a few people who've given it a go and kind of given up after four or five episodes yeah that's what I did it gets amazing okay uh, it's fantastic It's it, it will really reward you and I would say that there are episodes uh, especially in the second series uh, season that are as good as Breaking Bad all right, well, let me just so, get through Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and yeah. two more seasons of Hannibal first. Fair and enough. some rewatches of, um, I, you know, I, Parks me, and Rec and, and obviously Keeping Up with Supernatural. And yeah. then I'll definitely yeah. get on that. I'm doing Catastrophe at the moment. It's great. But anyway, so the uh, Better Call Saul teaser trailer has a sniper for Los Pais Hermanos. And there, right at the end, is Giancarlo Esposito as Gus Fring inviting people to come into his restaurant. And so I think we can fully expect to see Gus Fring enter Breaking uh, Better Call Saul in Hurrah. season three. He was uh, very good in Breaking Bad. I did love him. He was so good in that. Um, and so I'm very excited about Yay. that. And um, we should probably talk awards for a minute. Um, we should. With the Golden Globes happened on Sunday. Meh. Who uh, <laughs> from Meryl Streep? She was awesome. Um, well done to all the winners. And uh, and then the BAFTA nominations. Yes. Came out this week as well. What did you think of those? We should probably say, first of all, uh, La La Land got 11 nominations. 11 nominations. Uh, Arrival had nine. Nine, as did. As did Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. Come on, come I on. I knew you'd be excited about that, and I knew oh. you'd be pleased about that. And Aaron Taylor-Johnson won the Best Supporting Actor at the Golden Globes. He uh, did, yeah, uh, yeah. What's your take? I haven't heard you talk about his performance. What, what, oh, what's I your mean, take his performance is great. I just, yeah. I, to the, as far as it goes, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know? uh, yeah, I... I, I Decent set of nominations. As ever, there are things that missed out. It's good to see I, Daniel Blake in there. Yes, very good. Uh, but there are things that, that I think you and I really, really love that missed out. Hunt for the Wilder People didn't get any awards love this year, which is yeah. crazy town. Uh, also, uh, Love and Friendship is Love a film. and Friendship, to ignore it at the BAFTAs of all places, yeah. I think is crazy. It's a shame. Uh, Kate Beckinsale, Tom Bennett yeah. for supporting actor. Kate Beckinsale's brilliant in that film. It's it's a strange one mm. for me that that was overlooked so so much. Uh, Silence, Silence. I am a very big fan of as as people probably realised uh, last week when we were reviewing it. Um, mm. I am genuinely surprised it's been overlooked to the extent that it has, and I think it's I think it's such a smart film. I don't think it gives you easy answers. I don't think it sort of panders to anyone, and I think that obviously is counted against it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Monster, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. I, I think I think it's a massive injustice, actually. That one. I just don't think it connected with voters for some reason. No. It's, it's, it's been exactly the same in the states yeah, as well. I don't it? expect it to 
uh, garner many I Oscar mean, nominations. Wilder people in Love and Friendship, we can write off as the fact that they got hardly any um, attention in terms of mm-hmm. box office, yeah. and that does make a difference. But you know, these other ones, I, uh, I Monster don't know, Calls sometimes. is is a, another film that I'm uh, a little surprised yeah. hasn't got uh, any awards. Love, there's some amazing performances in that. Lewis McDougall, for example, oh, is God, great. He's, he's incredible. And uh, you know, we'll talk about this when the Oscar nominations come out, and maybe we'll do an Oscar special this year. But uh, there are some performances. I'm really going to bang the drum for. Daniel Radcliffe in Swiss Army Man. That's an extraordinary performance and he has had no awards traction whatsoever and the whole thing's a crock and let's move on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because we don't have a lot of time and I can feel a rant coming on. Mm -hmm. Um, One last thing we should talk about, Woody Harrelson, we talked about a couple of weeks ago that he was rumoured to be in the Han Solo movie. He is now in the Han Solo movie. This has been confirmed and he will play Han Solo's mentor. I c- I'm digging it. I'm I'm up, I'm up for that. Yep. Damn it! I did not want to want this movie. <laughs> it's too late. I'm so angry. It's too late. They've got so you. angry. Forget about it, Helen. It's Woody Town. <laughs> that sounds. Goodness, that yeah. is it, a place. That is an actual place. Huh? Yeah. Why don't you I, Why don't you write into Google? Why don't you Google that, Helen? Why don't you write the words Woody Town into Google? And see what happens. Well, that, that, just as that I sounds like something that could not possibly go wrong, Chris. I'll, <laughs> well, just, I'll try that now. Just as earlier on when I was Googling pissing in movies. Yeah, that turned up a few interesting results. Anyway. We should probably move on. We why, should move why on. While I Google that. We should move on. Should we have oh, our... Oh, God, Chris. <laughs> should we have our guest? Let's, Let's have, have a our guest. guest. All right. So this week's guest is one of the finest actresses in Hollywood. She is someone who makes fantastic independent movies like Blue Valentine uh, building of course and her incredible success when she broke through in her uh, late teens and early 20s in Dawson's Creek I don't want to wait (laughs) (laughs) she she appears this week in the brilliant Manchester by the Sea Uh, she is of course Michelle Williams she was talking to I hope John Nugent if it isn't John Nugent then just make up whoever it is she was talking to Cyborg from Justice League. How about that? Wow. I've just seen a picture of Cyborg. We got we got him? We got him in. Oh. People so said we wouldn't get him. But we did. But we got him. And we sent him to interview Michelle Williams for That's Manchester what you with Cyborg. the Cyborg. He's a giant USB cable, so you just plug the interview thing, the dictaphone, into okay. him. Okay. And off you go. Let's... Uh... So here we go. This is Cyborg from Justice League, I guess, interviewing Michelle Williams. Enjoy. Michelle Williams, welcome to the Empire Podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat. Thanks for having about me. About Manchester by the Sea. Yes. Um, I wondered, your, your character in this, Randy, um, is, it's a, it's a key role, but you really only have, I guess, five or six scenes. If that. If <laughs> that. Three or four. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, you don't have a lot of scenes, but a lot, a lot happens. I mean, I'm, I'm conscious that it's a drama where we don't want to give away too much of the middle part of the film so we've got to talk around it a bit but I wondered you know when you first get the script I think you appear on about page 26 are you sort of sitting there going where's my character like when am I going to show up in this one um I I basically said yes to it before I had read it because it was a long-standing dream to work with Kenny um so I would have you know, I would have buttered his toast. I would have. There were also on this movie. I have to say, there were so many amazing New York stage actors that would pop up um, for you know to be the the doctor or like the receptionist <laughs> or you know really wildly uh, talented people um, because 
everybody wants to work with him. It's it's an incredibly powerful powerful movie, um, and your character kind of she she plays um, Casey Affleck's ex-wife. Um, you meet you meet her when they're still married, mm-hmm. and then something happens and they break up. Do you have to? Did you work with Casey on those sort of between times at all? Because you you kind of jolt forward every time we meet Randy. She's kind of in a different place emotionally. Is it important to sort of fill those gaps, um, or do you just kind of work on that yourself? Um, a lot of it I worked on myself. I talked to Kenny a lot about what I was thinking or what I sort of imagined that. Um, the, her her life to have been like in those spaces when we don't see her um, and put a lot of thought into um, how she changed physically and emotionally yeah. um, over those years uh, but that was just like that's just sort of my work you know Kenny's got a lot on his mind he's directing a whole big movie he's got more actors to talk to than just me so I figure that's my job he didn't ask you to butter his toast, though, at any point. Um, no, but the offer still stands. <laughs> um, just to explain to the listeners, Manchester by the Sea, what sort of a place is it? Were you familiar with that part of like New England prior to this? No, not at all. It's a place outside of Boston. Um, and it's a... It's it's an area... These sort of small neighborhoods abut one another, and they're, they're related, but they're also very distinct and um, when you're from Manchester by the sea you look and sound different than you do if you're from Gloucester and people are very particular about getting those right uh, details correct okay Randy's got a sweary character which we I don't know we haven't seen Michelle Williams in full flight with with the with the curse words um, was that fun because you've never been over to my house for dinner right okay uh, <laughs> uh, you haven't experienced me uh, stuck in traffic before um, boy, I really, I did have to, I had to hand over my car keys at one point because I was like, I just, I'm getting too frustrated and things are coming out of my mouth that I just didn't even know that I knew how to put together. Um, you banned yourself from driving. Yeah, I was getting um, a little worked up. Okay. About traffic and other drivers and I found myself saying some things that were... Inappropriate. In front of other people, possibly. Okay, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Um, I imagine with 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 some movies, it's a bit of a, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a. It's it's probably a terrible analogy, but some must feel like a sh- bit of a short haul flight where you make the film and you come back and you do the press and then it comes out and you move on. And some feel like a longer journey. And I imagine this one is the latter. You know, Sundance festivals, LFF, Oscar season. Um, does do those films stay with you longer? Normally, I mean, you've been through three Oscar seasons. Um, no, not necessarily. You know, the movies. I I feel just as connected to the movies that I've made that um, no one has gone to see because really, like the experience is the thing. The experience yeah. is the thing that ingrains itself in you, um, and the reaction to it when you've been doing this for as long as I have, which is over twenty years, um, you get. You you get used to the, the things being tidal, you know they're right. up, they're down, they're in, you're in, you're out, um, and so it's really not it's not advisable to get a- attached to the outcome um, and to hinge too much on it because it's temporary and really the only thing that you can um, uh, put a put a great value on is the experience that you had making it, what you learned, what you um, 
got better at, what you where you have room to grow. That's the that's the stuff. Okay, but some I mean some films seem to leave a really big mark with people. I remember, I'm guess I'm referring to Brokeback Mountain and Blue Valentine. Um, spring to mind. I mean Blue Valentine seems like one that that just still like it's still affecting me or through all this time is that is that do people still want to come up and chat to you about it and yeah I was saying to someone today I mean they 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 saying you know after that movie I didn't take off my wedding ring for a month I just couldn't bring myself to disconnect from the people and the experience and the characters but at a certain point you have to say okay that was not real and I am and my life is and I'm going to live that instead of in some sort of like strange fantasy land so um, the characters do make an impression but you also have to give them up and not be insane um, <laughs> those are the two choices uh, basically <laughs> yes <laughs> um, and I choose sanity Uh uh, but it's wonderful that they still have an effect on people who watch them. And I'm always so happy when somebody comes up to me and says, like, that moved me or meant yeah. a lot to me. You famously uh, flat-shared, house-shared with, with Ryan Gosling before you made that film. Oh, uh, yeah. Derek C.M. Francis' um, sort of, I guess, method, domesticity for that. I wonder who you felt of all the people, all the actors you've worked with, who'd made the worst housemate. Or, if you'd prefer, the best. He was pretty good. He did the dishes. Yeah. Is he a good cook, Ryan? I was like, this is not realistic. Men don't do the dishes. And he said, I know, Michelle, I just feel really bad because you go home to a kid and you have to go do the dishes. And I just feel bad making you do the dishes twice in one day. It's like, oh. That's pretty chivalrous. Oh. So he's the best. Yeah, he's pretty Any bad ones bring to mind? No, I kind of... Have you ever, I mean, like have you ever had an experience like that in any other sort of preparation for a film role no that was unusual um I've never experienced anything no like it there's uh, not usually that kind of people don't generally afford you that kind of time yeah yeah I mean that's a film that was a long time in the making wasn't it did you years a decade in the making yeah were you attached to it from the from the very no, beginning no I desperately wanted it I begged for that job my God, I wanted to be in that movie. I remember reading it when I was maybe 21, 22, and I met with Derek a bunch of times, and um, and I was obsessed with that movie. I just thought about it all the time. I did not get the part. <laughs> I think some other people got the part, but the movie didn't wind up being made. Um, and then by the time it was ready to be made, I was the right age, and, um, and it all kind of came together. I remember... Um, running into Ryan and I remember him saying like I love that movie Blue Valentine do you want to do it and I and I it was like an incredible confirmation because I was like I love that movie I've been obsessed with that movie for five six years it was nice to hear it spoken out somewhere outside of my own head and then it happened and then it happened and it was as good as you'd imagined I mean, watching the movies that I make is not my favorite experience. Yeah. Um, making the movies that I make is, but I don't really enjoy the experience of seeing my face so big. Okay. Can I ask you about another key role in your career? Um, Baywatch. Oh, yeah. Boy, I'll tell you what. I have never been at... Well, that's not true, but I was just as excited to get Baywatch as I have been excited to get Blue Valentine or um, uh, this movie. Um the th the thrill 
of getting the job remains has always been the same. It is just such a relief to <laughs> um, have work. <laughs> so instead of Manchester by the Sea, this is Hoff by the Sea. And you play a character. Do you remember your character's name? Hang on, give me a second. Uh, it's not there. I got, is it, Brid- I've got Bridget Bowers. Bridget Bridget, 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 Bridget. And you essentially run down the beach. In a bikini. In a bikini. Barefoot. Barefoot. As people do. It's a beach. <laughs> and and uh, the Hoff is there with, with Hobie. Oh, and Hobie wants to wants to be friends with your character because she's kind of cool. And I invite him to a beach party and ask him to bring sand in his shoes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good memory. Did you do a lot of preparation for the running part? Were you sort of out? I mean, how how deep did I you might get have with the character? Had a spray tan. Really? Maybe. Okay. Some body makeup. That's about the extent of the preparation. <laughs> Um, were you a big Baywatch fan at the time? Who wasn't? No, that's a good point. Oh. It was huge here, and we hadn't even like seen the sea, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what is this mysterious thing? What is that mysterious um, orb in the sky? Well, for English people, it's pretty complicated. Sun. I know, like, I know. Why would you need people to like rescue people from the sea? Because yeah. to do that, you'd need to want to go into the sea in the first place. Well, not really. Not unless you are kind of, I don't know, kind of insane, I think, in some ways. Um can I can I ask you about a couple of your upcoming projects? Um, you sure. have the Greatest Showman, yeah, which is the P.T. Barnum yeah. movie uh, with Hugh Jackman, and you are playing his wife, right? Can you tell me a bit about her? Boy, talk about another nice guy. Every day you get to work, and he's like, "How was your night? Anything happen? How are?" I'm like, "Whoa." He like checks in with you just about like what you're. He's a lovely man. Before. He is truly, truly a wonderful person. Yeah, I really enjoy seeing him every day. Had you met him before this one? We actually um, made a movie together before uh, called Deception, which I was grateful that you didn't bring up, and I don't know why I'm bringing it up now. <laughs> um, why? Uh, what was? It's it not very memorable. No. I, yeah, I remember at the time somebody said. Um, uh, you know what, Michelle? You're you're not in a good place anyway, so don't 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 bother watching the movie. I was like, okay. You haven't seen it. Uh, Has you raised it since you've? Yeah, we like to, we like to joke about it. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know what's really nice about having um, having a long career is that you really, you know, you win some and you lose some, and. Uh, and you stick it out regardless. Um, so I, I, I kind of embrace those mistakes as much as I do the successes because also, boy, nothing teaches you like yeah. failure. Yeah, right. Did you have? But do you have a sense when you're doing that something's going to turn out? Never. Does that instinct ever come? Does that something you can learn or just never? You never have any idea how something is going or if you're doing a good job or if people are going to like it or if it's going to be a good movie. When we were making this movie, I certainly and Casey certainly didn't have a sense that it was going to amount to anything. You never know. Yeah. It's really mysterious. And you really do work just as hard on a bad movie as you do on a good movie. Yeah. You don't want to make a bad movie. You're trying to make a good movie. And sometimes it works. Sometimes have you been surprised when you felt like you didn't feel like it had quite come together on set and then you, and then you watch it or you see the response and it's kind of just taken off? It's just come together. Have you had that um, experience? Yeah, a lot. You know, also because there's so much that you're not exposed to as an actor. You like, you don't know how the director is framing the story necessarily, mm. or, like what the visual aspect of it is. So that's always a surprise when you see it. Going into a movie with Todd Haynes, who you've worked with before, 
that's based on a Brian Selznick book who did Hugo Cabret, obviously. Um, and it's called Wonderstruck. I mean, a film called Wonderstruck can't be, can't bad. be bad. It can't you be know. bad. There's a lot of pressure on that film to be good. Um, well, luckily, none of it's on my shoulders because, again, I just pop in and out. I'm, uh, you, I, uh, I play the mom. You play the mom to a deaf girl. Is that right? Deaf boy. To a, to a boy. No, he's not. Okay. But he befriends. Oh, I see. So how does it, so it's set across two timelines. It is, yeah. Yeah, he has this um, incredible knack for um, making these, you know, sort of epic films that require all kinds of production value um, uh, and making them really like lived in and homey and natural. This is Todd. This is Todd. Is this going to be more, is this going to be a visual feast along the, like, the sort of Hugo so, type yeah. of ex- extravaganza? Um, where do you start on that one? I finished it. Have you finished it? Yeah, I finished that, and now I'm working on this movie with Hugh, doing a lot of singing and dancing, um, and um, being very happy to go to work every day. How's the singing? Is it- well, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, you guys will tell me. I'm enjoying it. I can say that at least. I'm, uh, there's singing. There should be like singing and dancing therapy. Yes. Yeah, people should go to a place where it's, they sing and dance to feel better about themselves it's really happy making to sing and dance so this could be that film this could be the sing along you know maybe, maybe we have we have we have the screenings where you have the audience comes and joins in the singing and starts singing and dancing i'm telling you i'm learning to do all this stuff that i haven't done before and whatever happens i realize that i have a giant smile on my face just like a really goofy grin as i'm attempting these um lifts and strange dance moves because it actually it makes you feel like a kid you know you you have this like you feel sort of free enough to move your body in strange ways and to belt out a tune and um that kind of self con that sort of lack of self-consciousness sort of takes you back to childhood sounds like a lot of fun thank you very much michelle for, for taking the time Okay, so that was the fantastic Michelle Williams. Uh, We'll be talking about Manchester by the Sea in just a few seconds. But first of all, as I said earlier on, it's time to talk about Series 2 of Fortitude, which uh, starts later on this month exclusively on Sky Atlantic. If you didn't catch the first series, it's a fast-paced drama. It's a mysterious drama. It's set in an isolated town called Fortitude Uh in the frozen landscape of the Arctic Circle and all is not as it seems, believe me. Uh, it's supposedly one of the safest places on Earth until a shocking murder unsettles a previously close-knit community and threatens the future of the town itself. And quickly, the various members of the once idyllic community struggle to make sense of the horror that's been let loose at the heart of their town. The second series starts on Thursday, the 26th of January at 9pm on Sky Atlantic. It sees the town face new unpredictable threats and even more dangerous than before with the arrival of a mysterious stranger with a deadly agenda. And as with all Sky Atlantic shows, of course, you can expect a wealth of talent, including Sophie Grabal, Ken Stott, love Ken Stott, Michelle Fairley, Robert Sheehan, Parminda Nagra, and Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Awesome. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Just makes you feel warm inside, doesn't it? It kind of does. Just knowing that he's still around. Dennis Quading. Uh, here's a fun fact. Please. Fun fact. Uh, the US Congress hosted the screening of Fortitude, first season, to use, and I'm quoting here, the power of TV to spark cultural and even legislative changes on the subject of climate change. Also new to Sky Atlantic in March, don't miss Big Little Lies. Very excited about this one. Mm. It stars Academy Award winners, of course, Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, 
and Shailene Woodley as a great cast. Uh, it's based on the number one New York Times bestselling novel by Liam Moriarty, and it's a compelling take on ex-husbands and second wives and schoolyard scandal and the dangerous little lies we tell ourselves just to survive. I tell myself little lies every day just to survive. This is not a grey pod booth. This is a beach in the Maldives. Uh, it's a darkly comedic series. It does cover some more dramatic issues, but it depicts day-to-day life and the coming together of a community in a very human, very authentic way that many will relate to. Uh, and there's new big screen drama every month exclusively on Sky Atlantic. And if you like the sound of what you've heard today, then make sure you don't miss Fortitude this month, this month, 26th of January, and Big Little Lies in March. Okay, so let's now talk about the films that are coming your way in the multiplex this week. Uh, should we start with the argument? Uh, yeah, okay, and then we can make up, as it were. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about La La Land. Yeah. Okay, let's start off with the argument, because uh, this is La La Land. Now, this is a movie I had somehow managed to miss until this week, and it's probably good thing for the ears of my colleagues that I did miss it until now because I have played the soundtrack incessantly since uh, seeing it. Mm-hmm. I downloaded it immediately after seeing the film and I've been playing it non-stop. It, there are earworms in my head, Helen, I, I will never be able to get rid of. <laughs> uh, They're uh, eating your brain. They are. Well, that happened a long time ago. So this is La La Land. Um, I loved it. You didn't. No, I didn't. We'll talk about why, I guess. But um, it, just to set it up for the, anyone who has managed to avoid it thus far, um, it is the story of two young people in LA, uh, dreamers who want to make it in Tinseltown, essentially. Uh, Sebastian, who is Ryan Gosling's character, is a wannabe. I mean, he is a jazz musician, but he wants to open his own club yeah. and ha- and sort of bring jazz back, really, to the kind of forefront of, of culture, I guess. Um, Mia, who is Emma Stone's character, is working in a coffee shop and auditioning because she wants to be an actress. Um, These two kind of bump into each other uh, a number of times and gradually romance sparks, takes root and they form a relationship and this is the sort of, I guess, the ups and downs of that relationship told through kind of a classical musical but also something slightly edgier and more indie and a bit more modern. Is that fair? That seems fair. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the idea. That's the idea. Absolutely. Um... I thought this was a fantastic film. I really did. Uh, this is... I know we're in, we're in Jan 13th now. There's been some amazing films already this year. Uh, 2017 is going to have to work really hard, for me anyway, to, to step up the plate. La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, Monster Call, Silence. It's not a bad quadruple whammy, That's really I not. have to say. Uh, this is... I saw this with a crowd. I don't know where, where you saw it. With a crowd. Uh, you saw it with a crowd. Uh, it's a real crowd pleaser. Uh, what's interesting about this film this is from Damien Chazelle is obviously as, as Helen said and uh, who directed Whiplash a film which shares certain DNA yeah I think uh, with this movie um, there's a, even a little role for J.K. Simmons there's even a little role for J.K. Simmons indeed and this the score by Justin Herbert who also did yeah. the score for Whiplash uh, equally brilliant but in a very very different way uh, I thought I, this this movie gripped me from the off I'm surprised that, you, that it didn't grab you as much me given too. your proclivity for musicals yeah. uh, because it is unashamedly unabashedly a musical right from the off and I wasn't expecting it in that way it starts with a huge musical number on a freeway bridge in LA uh, and from there we then meet Mia Emma Stone and Sebastian uh, Ryan Gosling and their courtship, for the first hour in particular, uh, is a wonderful thing, a, a, a thing of, of soaring beauty for me. Uh, 
and Chazelle, I think, is really, really interesting director to keep an eye on. Uh, he's, he's someone who who likes to. Uh, he's a very playful director, I think, and uh, uh, this is a much lighter, although still bittersweet movie than than Whiplash in many ways. Um, I thought it was great. Listen, I mean, the world is with you pretty much. Although um, <laughs> my my basic problem with this is uh, Emma Stone is super charming. She is a, a, an astonishingly charming human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and that camouflages to some extent the fact that her character is dramatically underserved, I thought, by the script, by the story, by the film itself. Uh, and And that really got to me and it began to irritate me and it really took me out of the film to a degree that I couldn't really get back in. So I'm at that point now where I'm so angry that no one else sees this that I'm beginning to l- dislike the film more, which is not right of me. I didn't I didn't hate it. It isn't a terrible film, apart from the fact that it, it has to, to, for this film, for this story to work, it has to be a two-hander. And for me, it isn't a two-hander. It's a one-hander and she's kind of glorified... She's a glorified manic pixie dream girl. She is. I'm sorry. I just can't get past that. And uh, and yeah, so I, I have this fundamental issue with it, basically, on the fact that, you know, you may not know is because Emma Stone is so lovely, but that character isn't a character. She doesn't. What's her flaws? She doesn't have any flaws. He has flaws. Mm-hmm. She has none. Nothing. I'm not sure Emma Stone has flaws, in in fairness. Uh, Yes, but she's an actress (laughs) and she can pretend to have flaws, you know? Anyway, so that just annoyed. I I agree, you know, it looks beautiful. The colours, the cinematography is gorgeous. Um, The songs are, I mean, they're not for me utter musical classicals, classics, but they are good. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're not the greatest singers and dancers, but they do well enough. That's what I find interesting about this movie. Uh, It's a shame we can't really get into it too much. I, I. I see a little bit where you're coming from with the Emma Stone character, but I do feel it's a two-hander. I feel the movie starts with her, it focuses on her, she is the absolute focus of the movie for pretty but, much the but entire But she's thing. the focus of the movie in the way that a boyfriend looking at his girlfriend all the time, she's his focus. It doesn't mean that he's actually seeing her as a person, as a character. I feel like the movie's looking at her and going, wow, isn't she gorgeous, isn't she gorgeous? But it's not doing really anything else and there's a song at the end that everybody goes no Helen you're wrong there's that song at the end and that's mm-hmm. the nub of her character but there's n- that that comes from nowhere it leads to nothing it doesn't the, the, the movie isn't about her it's about Sebastian for me anyway I'm obviously in a minority <laughs> on this one everybody else in the office loves it but but okay the songs are really interesting I think they're great I think they're fantastic songs. Uh, I don't know how many times you've seen it. Uh, maybe you should go and see it again. Maybe you don't want to subject to. yourself to that. I plan Who to. Knows? I just... But the songs I... work for me. But what's interesting about it is that uh, neither Ryan Gosling or Emma Stone are particularly good singers. Their big ballad together, the big duet together is City of Stars, which is a fantastic, fantastic song. Uh, but he's off key towards the end and they're doing the live singing thing, uh, which obviously yeah. helps Les with Mis, a lot yeah. of emotion You know, that Tom Hooper did in Les Mis, as you say. But it, it works for me. It really works for me, and um, it's 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 light and playful, but bittersweet enough and realistic enough. Uh, there's realism beneath the magic here, and I I really enjoyed that about it, and it really worked for me. But I will perhaps go back and see it now through your eyes, and hate it. <laughs> we shall see. I'm so anyway, sorry. five stars. Five stars for La La Land, and you know what the hell? Five stars for Manchester by the Sea as well. Why? 
Yes. Now, this one I'm, I'm 100% on board with, I have to say. Um, so uh, our focus of the movie this time is uh, Casey Affleck's Lee Chandler. Um, he is uh, working as a janitor in Boston, living in a tiny apartment, looking after a number of sort of apartment buildings for other people with nicer apartments. Um, and he's called back to his hometown, the titular Manchester-by-the-Sea, to um, because his brother dies. Um, his brother Joe Chandler, played by Kyle Chandler, try to keep up, um, dies leaving his teenage son, who's played by Lucas Hedges, um, who's a phenomenal kind of breakthrough actor here. Um, and and that's, I mean, in terms of plot, that's really all there is to it. He has to spend a bit of time at home trying to sort out the funeral, trying to organise things with this teenager who doesn't quite know how to react to his father's death. He's kind of trying to keep on keeping on he's still hanging out with his friends he's still you know uh, shagging rings around him frankly um, but he's trying to figure out how you kind of cope and he's clearly he still needs some help coping and what gradually becomes clear is that um, Lee also doesn't really know how to cope and isn't perhaps set up to deal with everything that he's trying to deal with as young Patrick goes through all of this um, these the, these emotions, these feelings, and also that Lee is extremely uncomfortable to be back in this town where his ex-wife Randy, who's of course Michelle Williams' character, mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. lives. And it, we're not quite clear why things went as badly wrong as they did between yes. those two, and that gradually becomes clear through the film. Now, this is obviously from Kenneth uh, Lonergan, who did Margaret most, most recently, one of the best, much-delayed films you will ever see in your life. Um he, he's an incredible director of actors. He's an incredible uh, filmmaker for stories that are barely stories. Like there's mm-hmm. barely a plot there, but there's a huge amount of humanity. And I think this film in particular is is just astonishingly emotional. I mean, yeah. I, if I have there are there are pieces of sort of, of sort of kryptonite in my kind of emotional armor. So like <laughs> I know you la la land hating monster. <laughs> so like parent child death issues, for example, tend to upset me. Yeah. Um, Strong men trying hard not to cry, mm-hmm. I find very difficult to watch dry-eyed. Um, and and people who blame really? them, people who blame themselves more than the world ever could, really destroy me. Yeah. And this film has all of those elements going on. So I mean, don't just bring a couple of tissues; just bring the whole box. Like it is, it is a weepy on a whole other level. It really is. But with I, I it doesn't feel manipulative that way. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to rush out to see it again until I've rehydrated, but <laughs> I do it's think true. it's astonishing. It does destroy you, but in a good way. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, And incredible performances from all involved. And Casey Affleck's been... Do you think he's going to win the Oscar? I don't know anymore. I think it's... I mean, compared to some of the other people there, it's quite an internal, quite a dialed-down performance. Obviously, there have been, rightly, some... Uh, some controversy and some speculation over certain aspects of his private life in the past, mm-hmm. um, which I think are probably going to hurt him with voters as well. And I mean, there are other great, great kind of uh, performances out there this year, which which may well take the prize. But um, but th- that's not to take away from what he does in this film. Mm. Um, this was originally going to be played by Matt Damon, I think. Matt Damon. Thank you. Who's still a producer um, and. I wonder actually if if Lee Hedges was cast before Matt Damon left because he kind of looks There's more like him. There, yeah, there is, isn't yeah. there? Um, but at the same time, you know, he, again, he's a, he's a great find in this film, and I hope he has a lot of success ahead of him. Absolutely, good week. Yeah, seriously. For Affleck the Younger. Yeah. Five stars for Manchester by the Sea.
Why would you say Affleck the Younger, Chris? Would yeah. that be a segue into something else? It would be, yeah, because it hasn't been such a great week for Affleck the, uh, the Older. Mm. Ben. Affleck Benjamin. Major. Benjamin. <laughs> Affleck Major. <laughs> uh, Benjamin Affleck, I believe, as everyone calls him. Uh, and this is interesting because Helen and I haven't seen Live by Night completely up front at this point. Uh, it is Ben Affleck's fourth film as director and is an adaptation of a Dennis Lehane novel. Uh, 1930s gangster movie. Looks absolutely set up to be an award season behemoth. Hasn't panned out that way. Uh, we gave it two stars. Everyone I know who's seen it Mm-hmm. has been disappointed by this movie to some extent so but this is not a review but we will direct you towards the, the two star review that is on the Empire uh, Online website empireonline.com uh, and check it out but I'm I'm surprised by this I do want to see it because as a director he pretty much hasn't put a foot wrong yeah up until now he's been he's been completely solid um, I mean I, I don't know I was having trouble getting sort of excited about this one just from the trailers um, but apparently I was kind of right not to not to get too worked up about it. It had l- maybe shades of public enemies. You know, maybe that's kind of hurting it. <laughs> oh, wait, we also disagree on that, right? I don't like public enemies. Anyway. I'm, I'm not as up in public enemies as I was. It has faded. Yeah, right. So, yeah. who's right now? Anyway, uh, but yes, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a disappointment, actually, because you want directors who are good and who have proven themselves to be good to just keep on mm. being good. Mm. Yeah, well. Hopefully it's just a wobble. Yeah. Hopefully something just, you know, get out of his system and then his next film as director, I think, is The Batman. Could be The Batman. Could be The Batman. Maybe, been... There might be something else beforehand. But well, yeah, also there's it's... been some, you know, wobbling on that recently as well. He's been, yeah. I think the script isn't quite where he wants it yet, so yeah. we shall see. He's uh, Yeah, he, I think he said this week he was unwobbling. Good. Firm commitment okay. to Batmaning. It'd be weird, wouldn't it, if he was to direct that and then dropped out but had to be in it anyway because of contractual stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, 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 would, you, would you be standing there going, you're going you're gonna to set the camera up like that? You're going to... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just plan to, uh, to, to do the two shot here. I mean, I wouldn't listen to me either. I'm only Oscar-winning director Ben Affleck. And also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm wearing a freaking Batman costume. So for the love of God, <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> you can Director bat- Ben Affleck. <laughs> you can bat type the shit, but you sure can't bat say it. <laughs> Two stars then for Live by Night. Awesome. There you go. I just really want a Batman film with that line in it now. That's amazing. Which one? You can bat, you type, can bat this. type the shit, but you can't bat say it. Well, fingers crossed for Lego Batman. <laughs> Yeah, film that's certain to have cussing. Anyway, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast, which is brought to you, of course, by Sky Atlantic, which brings you the biggest stars in award-winning dramas every month. Catch Series 2 of Fortitude later this month and the brand new series of Big Little Lies, as I said, in March, exclusively on Sky Atlantic. And also, watch out for the the new drama exclusively, once again, on Sky Atlantic, uh, including Gorilla this April from John Ridley, the... Oscar-winning screenwriter of 12 oh, Years yeah. a Slave, Idris Elba, Frida Pinto, looks fantastic, and Riviera, which is a thriller set in the opulent playground of the, the French Riviera. Riviera. Yes, the French Riviera. Uh, and of course, this new big screen drama every month, exclusively on Sky Atlantic. Uh, and that's it from us, the two of us, just the two of us. We can make it if we try, Chris. <laughs> just the two of us. You and I? I think that's the next yeah, line. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from the moment I heard Frau say I had a clone. <laughs> do you remember that? I do.
Now I do. I hadn't in years. I knew I'd be safe because I'd never be alone. And even Dr. Shoot not speak a lot about his feelings. My hurt and my pain don't make me too appealing. I've that is yeah. legitimately amazing yeah? that you would remember that. Yeah. Think what else has left your head to leave room for that. <laughs> I know. Well, Scott would look up to me. Run okay. The that- of the family. <laughs> Had an evil empire just like his dear old dad. Give him my love and the things I never... Okay, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and see what happens so. if I remember the Anfield rap anyway we should leave we should go yes thank you for listening uh, it's goodbye from Helen too late and it's goodbye from me I'm off to find more colleagues of Lethal Cunning for next week until then see you bye 